Old Testament. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but the name of the Lord I cut them down. But in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of, right, of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it in this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. And he made us and he made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her and tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him and, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? 
crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. It's from uh, Matthew 21. Entrances are important. Have you ever been in a church where you're waiting for the bride? They're always a little bit late, fashionably, I'm told, ready for that grand entrance. Everyone is assembled and the groom at the front is uh, usually looking sort of slightly nervous and is it all going to turn out all right? Is she going to turn up? And then, as Phil and I know, as we conduct services, you greet the bride and she looks lovely and uh, you go to the front and say, would everyone please stand for the entry of the bride? An amazing moment. Everyone's eyes turn and look. You know what I mean, don't you? Entrances are important. If you uh, have uh, anything to do with this school and any understanding of, of life in Chipping Camden, if you don't know, I'm sorry, but there are certain times in the year that this is a quirky place, if you get my drift, particularly uh, of the year 11 prom. Some of you know what I mean in Camden. Some of you have been here. So the year 11 prom is kind of a big rite of passage for teenagers. And they, they come in their prom dresses and outfits, all these 16-year-olds. And, and the thing about the prom is they have to make an entrance. And there's all sorts of vehicles that appear. Milk floats, George. I know you supplied that for Karis one year when she uh, had that rite of passage. There's Ferraris. There's, there's uh, Jeeps. There's fancy limousines. There's... All sort of bicycles, tandems, making an entrance is important. I'm told there's an etiquette of going to events with VIPs. The most important comes last. So in a civic gathering, most people just gather and then the most important person will be ushered to their seat the final moment. Probably one of the royal family, if it's one of those great events. Making an entrance matters. For Jesus, his entrance to Jerusalem has been looked forward to and spoken about. And he comes into Jerusalem all the way up from Jericho, but actually the journey started a lot, lot further back. In terms of his public ministry, he'd been with his, his disciples in Galilee, and he'd journeyed to different places. But, but for Jesus, right from the time that he'd gathered his disciples, come, follow me, that call to walk, to look, to listen, to discern, to decide, who is this? Come, says Jesus, follow me. And there's that pivotal moment that Penny dropped for Peter and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, bingo. Well, he didn't say bingo, but he said, you've got it. The Father has revealed this to you. And then immediately he said to the disciples, and now you know who I am. You need to know I need to go to Jerusalem. And now the Son of Man will be handed over the chief priests and the rulers, and he'll be crucified and killed, but will be raised again on the third day. And they were like, what? What? But in the immediate days, Jesus has journeyed from Jericho, the lowest place on the planet, 
800 feet or so below sea level. And he's, he's journeyed up through the path, the way up to Jerusalem, about 4,000 feet ascent from Jericho to Jerusalem. The journey up and his journey hadn't finished there, but the entrance was important. The entrance into Jerusalem, the coming into the city that he knew his days were numbered. Palm Sunday. Like any great event, like any spectacle, it draws a crowd. Have you noticed that? When the, the teenagers gather here and on their prom, there's a whole lot of parents with cameras and videos and, and making sure that that kind of rite of passage is marked. At, at the wedding, when we do it, there's, there's people that stop on the, the, the street and kind of go, oh, she looks beautiful. People are drawn to those spectacles, to those entries. People gather. And people gather around Jerusalem, uh, gathered because it was a thronging city that week. It was in the run-up to Passover, and it was in the run-up to the most special occasion in the Jewish calendar. And people had gathered and were there to celebrate, to reflect, to remember the great Passover. People were preparing. People were coming. And in the midst of it, this clamor, this noise, these uh, branches being waved, and, and we're all curious, aren't you? Oh, what's going on over there? What is all that hullabaloo? What's going on? And, and a crowd draws a crowd. And we're told that, that as they walked into Jerusalem, uh, as, as Jesus on the donkey and the disciples gathered and the cloaks lain, there were people who gathered a large crowd and they joined in and they, they did some gardening and, and pruning and pulled all the branches off the trees and, and, uh, and started to wave them. It strikes us as a little bit strange now. We'd have flags, wouldn't we? Little flags. They had branches. And I wonder what it was looked like for those bystanders, those people who were drawn in, those people who kind of were like, what is this? And they looked in and maybe just got caught up with the thing and, and gathered up into the moment. For some of them, because they'd come to Jerusalem and they knew that this was the center of worship. This was where, where God had promised to be. This is where the, the lambs would be sacrificed. This is where the offerings would be made. This is where God had promised to be. This was the heart of the kingdom of God. This was the heart of the purposes of God, and days were tough. And maybe some of those bystanders, they understood, because Psalm 118, one of those psalms that, that was rounds of worship, talked about festal boughs being pulled off, and Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David, that, that messianic language. This is the one promised of old. Here's someone coming, kind of getting caught up with that. And maybe they understood the prophet, that uh, Zechariah, that, that as they looked and saw this donkey and this man, say to Zortaziah, and see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt. On a fold. Maybe they understood the Old Testament, where in, in 2 Kings 9 13, they quickly took their cloaks and spread them on him, uh, under him on the bare steps. They blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. The entrances matter. What am I saying? The foes bystanders, they perhaps understood that the entrance matters, and, and they perhaps understood that a few hundred years, 200 years before, another person who'd, who'd rescued them from the oppressors, Judas Maccabeus, had entered Jerusalem 
in victory. Hosanna to the son of David. But like many of these moments, people disperse. That was nice. Let's move on. There are other crowd scenes in the Holy Week story. People on the edge looking in. People caught up. People seeing. And people moving on. So what? They shouted with praise. But it didn't appear much happened. Who knows if some of those around that triumphal entry were were later in the week shouting, crucify. Who knows? Perhaps. Who knows that some of those who were preparing in worship and, and saw this man on a donkey entering into Jerusalem and hearing the long-spoken hope, maybe this will be the day. Maybe they saw a man wrapped and riven and dribbling blood as he carried his cross and was killed. Maybe, who knows? But so often in the story of the gospel, there are the bystanders, those who look on and say, fair enough, move on. Still true today. But the story tells of another group, the disciples. See, the question at the end of the story was posed and is asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That in encountering Jesus, in hearing this story, there's, there's that invitation. Who is this? Who is it that we have celebrated with children and little palm branches this morning? Who is it, this Jesus, that we will share communion in remembrance of his sacrifice? Who is it that is calling you by name? Who is it? And the invitation, if you're one of those bystanders, those kind of curious onlookers, maybe uh, watching from the sidelines to come to Jesus. The disciples are there, and their, their perspective on the scene is very different. I suspect they are celebrating and shouting, and perhaps they think, this is the time, this is the moment, this is the occasion that we've, Jesus has been talking about. And maybe they understood it as actually victory. Maybe they understood it as this is the clash that was coming. This is where there's the head-to-head and, and, and the tensions have been getting worse and worse between the chief priests and those religious authorities and those who've been out to get him. And maybe they think it's coming to a head and it's going to go Jesus' way because he delivers people from demons and he's got the wise answer to every circumstance and he's healed the sick and he's raised the dead. I mean, he's, you know, amazing. Even the spirits flee from before him. But maybe, just maybe, the disciples have also got an apprehension. Because they remember Jesus' words. He told them often, I've got to go to this place. And I've got to suffer and die. And be crucified and buried. I mean, it's all right for Jesus to raise a few people from the dead, and they've seen that, and they're astonished, and their, their, their kind of perspective is blown away. But, but that's Jesus doing it. I mean, what happens when Jesus is killed? Who is then going to raise the people and bring hope? Because he's dead and buried. The disciples are journeying with Jesus, and the story of Palm Sunday says, Come and behold. 
Come and see the entrance. Come and see the signs. That it's not like the victor is like Julius Caesar on a great chariot with great white horses of an entry makes the spectacle because the emperors and, and those revolting, not revolting like bad people, but those, those who have been conquered are always, are always seen to be vanquished by the triumphant. Julius Caesar entering into Rome, a great spectacle. He distributed 2,000 tons of silver and gold. And behind him was a great train of, of captives that he'd vanquished from Gaul and other places in the empire. And there was great celebration and music and, uh, because the victor, the king, the emperor, the vanquisher, the strongest of strong was entering into Rome. But for Jesus, the signs were different. No great chariot, no great stallion horse, but an unridden donkey. Wasn't ushered in with VIPs, but with crowds. Didn't go straight in and knock on the high priest's door or Pilate's door and chase them out. But called to watch and see a greater victory coming. And the key player in the story is Jesus. Jesus. Who comes knowing his destination. His entrance is amazing. It's full of meaning. It's full of resonance as we've heard. I will not trust in princes, but will trust in the Lord. His love endures forever. He understands that he is the Messiah to come, but not a conquering Messiah, not, a, not a, just a, a strong man in the world's tone, but, but one who will rescue in ways that we hadn't even imagined. Jesus. Acclaimed and celebrated, Hosanna, the Lord saves, indeed he does. But as we draw from the crowd to the disciples, to Jesus, we're called to see his entrance, what it's really about. We're called to the Savior. We're called to the King of Kings, the greatest of all history. We're called to him. As he enters into Jerusalem, he's not on a stallion but a donkey. He's not there to distribute gold but to pour out his blood. He's not come from the battlefield as a conqueror, but he's actually going into battle on the cross. He's not followed by a train of captives who've been conquered and are his kind of like spoils of war, but rather he is coming humbly and gently to offer himself as a ransom for all. Just this week... We, we heard that awful story again of, of a terrorist atrocity in, in the south of France. Did you hear that story? A group of ordinary people were going about their ordinary day-to-day -day stuff, buying milk and eggs and vegetables and whatever else you buy in a supermarket. And in comes a strong man, a man of violence, a man of hate, and hostages are taken, 
and the hostages can't escape. They're powerless. And the strong man kills some, and there's terror and fear. And in amidst the story, as President Macron of France described the, the actions of the police officer, Lieutenant Colonel Arnaud Baltran. Apologies if I pronounce his name wrong. In his actions that day, all of France will remember him. What did he do? Well, being early on the scene, he said to the strong man, the violent man, the terrorist, the taker of life, take me in their place. And the exchange took place. And those who were powerless to rescue themselves, those who were trapped in the thrall of the violent one, were liberated freely. And the police officer took their place. And the way of violence that the entry of Jerusalem marks the destination was death. A life given and blood poured out to set the innocent and the captive free. Rightly so. We remember the police officer's action. Rightly so. He's a hero, rightly so, the recognition that he saved lives, the lives of his countrymen. But the entry into Jerusalem that was marked on Palm Sunday speaks of a greater hero, of a king who would come and a king who would take the place not just of his countrymen, but far wider and far greater and far further, to take the place of every one of us who are held captive by the strong man, Satan and sin and evil and a culture and a climate and a worldview that says you are trapped and bound. And Jesus says, I will come, die, shed my blood, And release the hostages. Set the captives free. I should die that we should live. Hosanna, the Lord saves. Hosanna to the Son of David. I invite you from being maybe a bystander to become a follower. And for us as followers to perceive afresh the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Broken bread, his body broken, of blood shed to truly set us free, to rescue us from the violent and the tyranny and the strong man who has ensnared us. There was great palm waving and shouts of hallelujah, hosanna, 
as Jesus entered in. But our greatest celebration isn't today. It's Easter Sunday. It's next Sunday. Having gone through the valley of the shadow of death, having been desperate like the disciples who had journeyed with Jesus and scattered and thought, now what? What has happened to this king as he's laid cold and stiff and dead in the tomb? Now who will help us? To their astonishment and amazement, the Father rose the Son back to life. He is risen. Of that, we share this meal on this day. In recognition of a life given to rescue us and a life restored and his life to live within us and propel us in the ways of Jesus today. Join me, I pray, in this meal of grace, of thanksgiving, of celebration, of remembrance. Join us together in worship of the greatest rescuer this world has seen. Amen? Amen. Sally, would you lead us in a song as the young people and children come